This is Momming While Feminist. We're here to have authentic, open-minded, hopeful, and maybe even helpful conversation about being a mom in a world where gender inequality and misogyny are everywhere. We want our parenting decisions to reflect our values as feminists, but that's not easy, so we need to talk about it. Welcome. Welcome. I'm Lisa. And I'm Lindsay. I have two sons, ages five and seven, and a daughter, age two. And I have two daughters, ages three and six. Hi, Lisa. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. Um, so today we are talking about leaning in for two reasons. First, Lean In has defined in many ways and in many spaces um, has kind of started to define feminism, the feminism and work conversation for the past seven years since it come, come out. And so what we want to do is kind of unpack that, you know, is it really a feminist strategy for moms? We want to talk about that. Yeah, and it's come up a bit with the time of COVID because the pandemic is forcing people to decide if they even can lean into their jobs since they're having to manage childcare full time, basically. Yeah, exactly. And of course, this disproportionately affects women. Yes, very much. But okay, before we so, do that, yeah, who's your feminist crush this week? So my feminist crush is uh, these two new resources that came out of the Young Women's Feminist Fund, which is also called the Frida Fund, and it funds grassroots uh, women and non-binary led movements around the world. Uh, so they just released these two new resources that I think are just beautiful and awesome and so important. The first is uh, called Principles for Guiding Data and Tech from a Cyber Feminist Perspective. And this is just so important uh, right now in cyber harassment has always been a problem for women and girls and non-binary folks. Um, what we've seen this uh, is particularly during the, uh, as we were all during COVID rushed to virtual spaces and the concept of Zoom bombing. And so I just think it's really important and appreciate that they're bringing a feminist lens to cybersecurity. Um, and then they also released this, uh, this beautiful, very art, artsy piece that's uh, happiness manifestics. It's all about taking care of yourself. Um, and it's just beautiful. And so those are my feminists. So, the, the, so free to fund and those resources are my feminist crush for the week. What about you, Lisa? Awesome. Um, so my feminist crush is the TV show Sex Education. It's an English show about a boy whose mother is a sex therapist, and then he starts giving sex advice to his fellow high schoolers. And the show explores – you're actually the one who recommended this show to me. I love it. Yeah, it's so good. Anyway, the show explores a lot of different representations of gender and sex in a way that's really positive and empowering, and it normalizes talking about sex with the goal of being a good partner. Uh, I'd be really interested to know if anyone else has seen it, what they think, but I really, really want to hear if there are any parents of teens who would think it was a good show to watch with teen children. I don't know because I don't have teenagers, but I, I don't know. It seems like a good conversation starter. I think it's so great. And um, they hired a intimacy uh, consultant. Have you looked into that? No. Like, yeah, because – and this is something that – and the, the movie industry – out of the Me Too era as um, a way to make sure that the, the people that are doing the sex scenes are comfortable and empowered as they're doing it. Wow. And so, that's, so they hired a, an intimacy consultant to help with that process. Yeah, I think the show is just, uh, just brilliant. We have a new practice of calling attention in every episode to something that is happening in the movement for Black Lives and Liberation. 
This episode, we want to call your attention to the murder of Dion Kay by police in Washington, D.C., which is not far from where I live. He was shot and killed just days after his 18th birthday. His family and community are mourning his murder. As you read about this murder, please reflect on how white children and black children are treated differently when they have a weapon. Please reflect on the way our society seems to require a, quote, perfect victim narrative, end quote, in order to value black lives. As Makia Green, a core organizer for Black Lives Matter DC says, quote, black kids deserve better than being gunned down in a parking lot by state officials, end quote. To take action, please sign the petition to defund the DC police. To find the petition, you can search for Action Network, defund the Metropolitan Police Department. We'll also include a link in our show notes. Thank you, Lindsay. Now on to our less serious topic. I think that this is gaining new relevance with coronavirus as a lot of women face decisions about how they're going to balance their full-time job and providing full-time childcare to their children. So you have some background for us? Okay. So back in March 2013, Cheryl Sandberg published her groundbreaking book, Lean In, Women, Work, and the Will to Lead. She also launched an organization by the same name. And one way to describe it, I'll use the words of Anne-Marie Slaughter, another speaker and writer on this whole topic of women and work. It's about uh, the main message is for women to believe in yourself, give it your all, lean in, and don't leave before you leave, which is to say, don't doubt your ability to combine work and family and thus edge yourself out of plum assignments before you even have a baby. And so that's a quote by Anne-Marie Slaughter reviewing the book. So um, the book discussed a little bit the, some of the structural and societal barriers to women's leadership in the workplace, um, but mainly focused on sort of the internal barriers that um, women, as it puts, like put on themselves. And uh, it caused waves. Some people loved it and many people hated it. And seven years later, we're still using the lexicology around lean in to refer to those decisions that women make with regards to their career and having children and parenting. So I have a quiz. I know you have one tw question too. So I'll start. Oh yeah, but you start. I'll start with mine and then you can ask yours. Okay. All right. The first words in the book, lean in, are A, I got pregnant, B, I am not a perfect mother, or C, the first time I was harassed at work was. Oh my God. I love this question. I have no idea. A, I got pregnant. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, good guessing. Pregnant. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that kind of tells us this is what the book's about. Motherhood and work. Okay, question two. In the book, Lean Wait, In. Wait, can I actually ask a clarifying question? Because it's yeah. been a while and maybe I miss, is it just about motherhood and work? Or is it is it meant for all women, not just mothers? I mean, it's basically about, I, I feel like that sets the tone. Like that's. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I went back and looked at it because I, I do have a copy of it. But like the fact the that time, she starts it off with I got pregnant, I think is to me like really sets the tone that this is about yeah. that motherhood and work. Career. Yeah, totally. No, yeah. I mean, I'm so glad you drew my attention to that because actually that's not how I have it like in my mind. And I guess just to mention, and I think you kind of alluded to this, like this has set the tone for basically like, like this is, this is by some considered like the newest wave of feminism is like lean in feminism. So yeah. I didn't realize that it started with that. That's interesting. That was actually in one of the discussion questions on the, in the back of the book. So I cheated and got that. So they, they like called attention to that, the discussion questions in the back of the book. Huh. Okay, I have another question. Uh, you're going to like this one. So in the book, 
Uh-huh. Which of the following is not one of Sheryl Sandberg's recommendations to women when engaging in negotiations? So not, she has a section on okay. negotiation. A, smile. <laughs> oh, dear. B, use I statements instead of we statements. Or C, begin your negotiation by explaining that you know women often get paid less than men, so you are going to negotiate. Wow, interesting. Do you want me to repeat them? She A, couldn't smile. Have put smile. I'm just hoping she didn't put smile. <laughs> B, use I statements instead of we statements. Cheryl wouldn't have put smile. She can't be that far down the down the path. Did she put smile? Yes, she Aww. did. It was like towards the end of her, like they she it, the the answer to this is B. I wrote use I statements instead of we statements. But Cheryl Sandberg encourages women to use we statements instead of I statements. So like we had a great year instead of I had a great year. And yes, she does write on page 47, quote, most negotiations involve drawn out successive moves. So women need to stay focused and smile, end quote. I prefer to bring my resting bitch face to all interviews. I am really fascinated by this whole we thing. Is that how men talk in interviews? Is that the premise? You know... I don't, I was so confused as I was reading through this because like early in the chapter, she's like, women are punished for taking a communal approach, but then she recommends taking a communal approach. And I, but I, I, maybe I didn't read it as closely. I was just confused. I don't know. The whole thing is just. As we pick it apart, I think we should just reiterate that we bought this book, Lisa and Lindsay, hook, line and sinker. And we're fans. So if you're a fan, (laughs) we were fans, but if you're a fan, that's cool too. You, you might you might one day make make the move like us or maybe you stay a fan yeah you, and you can tell us why yeah okay i have a couple more quiz questions and you can we can okay i've been really enjoying this quiz okay keep going okay question three true or false the percent of companies in the u.s that have three or more women in their c-suite has grown since 2015 true or false do I think it's grown or not? Ah, uh, sure. Let's hope. Upward. Upward. Yeah. Yeah, it's grown. So according to the Lean In McKinsey report, a, a combination of those two, the org and the consulting firm, uh, called Women in the Workplace 2019, in 2015, only 29% of companies, I don't know what the exact sample was of this, but only 29% had three or more women in their C-suite. And this report, which I think the data is as of 2018, so like three years later, it was 44%. So which is like, a, that's a 15% gain. Um, but still, the overall representation of women in the C-suite is far from parity. Only about one in five C-suite executives is a woman, and only one in 25 C-suite executives is a woman of color. Wow. So it's grown, but it's still pretty crap. Question four, true or false, according to the State of Black Women 2018 report released by the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, black women are more likely than white women to say that they would like to be in a position of executive leadership. Yes, this I have heard. Yeah, that's true. So they're like three times more likely than white women to say they want to be in a position of executive leadership. But when it comes to who actually receives those positions, white women are... Um, much more likely to be executive leaders than black women. Even though like only 8% of white women say they want to be in leadership, um, they still end up being more, whereas 22% of black women want to be in leadership. Oh, leading in doesn't guarantee you're going to. Right. 
Okay, my final question, and then you can ask me yours. Okay, true or false, there is a confidence gap between men and women. I'm going to say, trick question. <laughs> you <laughs> know me. I'm really good at these quizzes. <laughs> yes, you are. Okay, it depends on the study. But even when we find that there is a confidence gap, this doesn't necessarily mean that women are underconfident. So this one study out of Columbia Business School published in November 2011, they did a study with MBA students, and they had students compete, complete math problems, and men and women performed about the same doing math, as you know, a math teacher, Lisa, Ms. Ramish. Um, one year later, they brought back the same students and asked them to recall their previous performance. Both women and men overestimated their performance, so they were both like, overconfident. Okay. However men rated their performance 30% higher and women rated their performance 15% higher, like consistently, like generally consistently. Wow. So like men are more overconfident than women. And then there's another part of the study that basically so says, shows the same thing. So their conclusion was, quote, men's tendency to exhibit natural overconfidence in their past performance may attribute to the lack of greater female representation in upper management and executive positions, end quote. So, okay, ready? So, Michelle Obama was asked about Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, in an interview and delighted the audience when she kind of, like, stepped out of her first lady role for a minute to get really serious. What did she say? A, who fucking knows? B, that shit doesn't work. Or C, hell yeah. That shit doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and then she went on to say... Marriage still unequal, y'all. It ain't equal. I tell women the whole, you can have it all. Mm, nope, not at the same time. That's a lie. It's not always enough to lean in because that shit doesn't work. She then said, okay, I'm back now. But sometimes that stuff doesn't work. So oftentimes it's not equal and you feel a bit resentful about it. And so then it's time to go to marriage counseling, <laughs> which I thought was like really especially fantastic. Yeah. So Lindsay, what does lean in mean to you? And what has it meant to you over the course of your career in motherhood? Hmm. Okay. At first, I mean, I read the book when it came out. I was pregnant when it came out, uh, or I was close to being pregnant. And I also worked professionally on women's empowerment and closing the gender gap issues at like more of a, in a global women's rights space. So, I mean, I was aware of the controversy, but I was also like, also kind of had a very practical perspective to things. I was just like, you know what, like w women really do need this stuff. So yeah, I mean, I bought the book and I appreciated it, but it did not end up working out for me. And after I had Caroline, I mean, I basically over the course of my, my career, I quit, my, I quit that job twice. The first time they talked me into coming back part-time, um, I ended up doing that and then it was fine for a while but then it ended up I was doing a part-time job full, uh, doing a full-time job and a part-time schedule and just had like a complete nervous breakdown and so then I quit again I ended up consulting with them and anyways and it's just <laughs> so now I'm quite cynical about it and so there's two things that it means to me so like the term lean in I don't even really like to use that term anymore because to me it has become equated with this like new wave of feminism and she does say in there that it's like she says it's a feminist manifesto of sorts and she like offers it as a solution to the gender gap between men and women and high levels of leadership. And I just think that's really deeply flawed. It's like a solution to gender inequality. It's flawed. And then the other thing it means to me is, and, and I really internalized this like dichotomy that if leaning in is the feminist thing to do, 
then the binary on the other side is like leaning out is not. And so when I like couldn't make it work and when I had to leave my work and, and I was just totally overwhelmed and left and my, the president of our company came up and said, um, so I guess this is leaning out and it made me feel so bad about myself. It made me feel like such a failure. And so I've really struggled with that since then and like <laughs> to go to therapy and all these sort of things. And I just, it makes me mad that, that uh, the way it was presented like that. So yeah, so that's my, well, that's what it's meant to me so far. And then I have a lot of things to discuss about, you know, why I think it's a problem. We can get to that in a minute. But what about you? Yeah, I also had to go to therapy for leaning out, but kind of for a different reason. Like basically from the moment I got my first job, I was just deeply indoctrinated into a super extreme work ethic. Like go to sleep at, you know, 1 a.m., wake up at 5 a.m., work, 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 work the entire time. And so for years, leaning in was my main identity. Like it was how I like saw myself and what kind of person I was. And then after like 10 years of teaching or so, I was ready to lean out, if we want to use that word. And it didn't seem like there was any way to do that except for to have a baby. Like it just wasn't a possibility in my work. Um, luckily, I wanted to have a baby anyway. But I think so, that – go ahead. I was going to ask a question. So you, like, you wanted to have a baby as an ex- – like, to help you justify leaning out. It was just the perfect excuse. It all, mm-hmm. it all worked out for me. And, and at the time, I was really aware of the fact that, like, if I wasn't having a baby, I wouldn't be able to lean out. And I didn't think that that was fair. And I guess it really, to me, it just speaks to the fact that, like, this super, like, intense – I don't know if we want to call it American capitalistic work ethic. It's just really harmful for men and women. I think it's not like men have a huge opportunity to lean out and they don't even get that opportunity if they have a baby, you know, really, it's just not acceptable. So anyway, I had, once that happened, I had this whole mental health thing, like not being as what felt like dedicated as my colleagues, just like, created this like huge identity crisis for me I still go to therapy to like extricate myself from this mindset that if I'm not productive I'm worthless because it's just just last night I had this like I was feeling really bad about the day and I was like it's okay you did you did two productive things today you you enrolled miles in kindergarten you took out the recycling like you're you're fine and then I was like wait why do I have to enroll miles in kindergarten to like reassure myself that it was cool to take up space and breathe air today I've been really trying to think about other questions I can ask myself. You know, did I make a human connection? Was I present? Was I kind to myself and others? And like, I bring all that up because for me, I think leaning in, like you said, whether it's your identity as a feminist or your identity as like a good person, however it is, leaning in can get really wrapped up in your sense of self. And so when like the expectation becomes that you not only have to lean in, but you also have to be the perfect selfless mother, like you're not going to be able to do that. And then you're going to start to feel bad about yourself. So I, in, in many ways, like the same experience with you, like just became really, really cynical about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Just a different way of like internalizing the lean in, lean out dichotomy and, and using it to like judge myself. And then the whole thing about like, you can still lean in and be discriminated against and oppressed in the workplace. Like, I don't know. So, but I guess I want to just add one more thing. I can see how the mindset can be empowering. 
I did love to lean into my job. And when I, after maternity leave, I wanted to start back up work and I was really happy to start back up work. And um, my job gives me like deep satisfaction. I love working hard at it. And so I could see how, like there are times where I'm like, yeah, I'm leaning in. I am all powerful. Give me a raise. And like, I've needed it. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know where that leaves me exactly, but. So, okay. A couple things. Like I, I noted you said about men that they don't get the opportunity to lean out or something like that. I just yeah. wanted to push back on that a little bit because I think they have more agency than that. They don't. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I mean, I guess I should say it's just not acceptable as acceptable. I don't think it's acceptable for most people to lean out if they don't have kids. Yeah. Without a kid, it would be really hard to be like, hey, I know every other teacher here teaches from eight to five, but I want to teach from eight to three because I actually am not caught up in all of your like overworking mindset. Yeah. I, I see the machine and I don't want to be a part of the machine. Can I work from eight to three? They'd be like, no. Yeah. I'm just conscious of painting men as the victims here. No, so, it's true. I mean. So I see. Yeah. There's yeah. nuance there. Yeah, for sure. I do think it's interesting that. So like the way, because you use this language lean in to talk about your work ethic for, because the book lean in came out in 2012. So like yeah. this hasn't been, so it, so you've adopted this language for like more broadly, just like working hard and like working hard towards being career minded, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess I have. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Like it like, doesn't just, and my girlfriends and I always joke about how we want to lean out. You know, we'll be like having a really rough day yeah. at work and we'll be like, lean out, lean out. I wonder like, if men ever joke about that. Like, do they use that that language to be like, I'm going to lean into my career right now? I'm, I, 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 it's interesting to me how, how I think it shows how powerful this uh, book was, that it's become so much part of our lexicon and how we associate work. And even more broadly, not just for, not just for mothers, but I think other women. I, well, I don't know about men. Right. Well, and I think it's been, so this is something else. Like, I think it's been like reappropriated by the workplace as a oh, way yeah. to convince women to work more. Yeah, like absolutely. your boss, you know, because well, it- yeah, I've had also bosses convince me to not work less where I've been like, no, please let me work less, cut my pay more than I deserve. And they've talked me out of it. And I, yeah. And like at the time I thought they were standing up for me and now yeah. I'm like, but that's not what I wanted. Yeah. I mean, because it, it takes the burden off and we can talk about this when we talk about the problems. <laughs> it takes the burden off the workplaces and puts the burden on the individual to be like, you can do this. You lean into this shitty workplace. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's well, very and, and this like completely unmanageable situation. Yeah. Here you well, are in coronavirus. You're watching your kids full time. Just lean into lean that in. full time yeah. job. You can do it. You can do it. Be positive. <laughs> okay, but before I have like a list of uh things that you just really are gonna you're yeah, gonna you're gonna my tear points this against apart. it, but before I'm so ready. I decided no, not even to talk come about up with points good? against it because I'm so ready for you. Yeah, <laughs> no. but I mean just like here's the thing. 
it emphasizes the tactics that an individual can use, right, to possibly get ahead in their workplace, right? And I think we're good. Obviously, we're going to get into how putting the work of fighting against workplace inequality on individuals is really problematic, right? But I think there's a place, one could say there's a place for lean in as like pep talk material. I think about like the time I asked for a raise and I needed to get fired up. And in some ways, lean in opened a place for me to engage in that conversations with my girlfriends when I might not have. I think about the time that I was ready to take a pay cut at work so that I could, you know, even though I was going to basically work the same amount of hours. And it was like some very lean in podcasters discussing it who convinced me to find a way to work less for the same pay, you know? So I think it's not like it's completely, completely worthless and doesn't have good points. I just think like many things, the way it can get picked up and appropriated and used and twisted and as soon as it starts to stand for an entire movement, like we're in trouble, right? Yes, absolutely. And and never mind, it's like some white lady in the C-suite. So right. now we're now we're really in trouble. So I don't think that it's I don't think that it's the worst. I think you and I have gotten burned by it too, right? Like you can hear that. Like you can hear our bitterness. And I think there are times when like leaning in feels really good to me and I love it and I wanna do it. If our listeners are interested in leaning in, I'd really recommend the podcast Best of Both Worlds. They obviously come from like their own perspective, right? And they're going to be like one certain, they're, they're bringing their identities to that conversation. And their episode on, specifically on Lean In, like caused controversy with some of their listeners. So I'm not endorsing that episode, and saying, like, go and listen to the Lean In episode. But I think they have a can-do attitude that can be really inspiring. One of the co-hosts is Laura Vanderkam. She's the author of a book called 168 Hours, You Have More Time Than You Think. And she has a lot of ideas about how to think about your time that can be really motivated if you're in the mood to be productive, right? If you're not in the mood to be productive, that's okay, too. Nobody needs to, you know, and like, I find times where I'm like, I literally, I'm like hostile to best of both worlds. I'm like, I don't want to make use of my 168 hours. And then sometimes I'm like, yes, 168 hours. That's so many hours. So anyway. Yeah. There's also some good data in there. Some good statistics. It might be a little outdated by now, but um, there is some good data and a few good quotes. So. All right. Hit us, Lindsay. What are the problems with the lean in philosophy? Okay. So, and I'm very interested to hear what you think. Uh, the first one I have is that it really only focus on, focuses on these so-called internal barriers to women's empowerment and, and women's leadership and the, you know, being able to achieve those high letter- levels of, of corporate leadership. So she does acknowledge that there are both internal and external barriers. So like internal barriers are, well, I'll tell you what they are in a minute, but she acknowledges that, but she just says we need to talk, tackle both. But her book focuses on the internal barriers, the way individuals, quote, hold themselves back. So these are things like lack of self-confidence, not raising your hand to speak, um, internalizing negative messages about how women shouldn't be outspoken or aggressive, doing more housework, doing more childcare. So by only focusing on these internal barriers, I think is a problem because, and even though she acknowledges these other external barriers exist, and those are things like lack of universal childcare, um, lack of parental leave, sexual harassment, racism in the workplace, sexism in the workplace, things like that. Um, she like acknowledges that, but she's like, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about 
these internal barriers. And she's like, she's never, she had never had anyone tell her, like everyone's told her it would be hard for her to have a career in her family, but no one ever told her um, how she could overcome those obstacles. So she wanted to, to write this book. So like, so like you said, it may, it provides these corporate career strategies. So for like individual women who want to climb the career ladder in the corporate space. And so it provides tools for that. But it's not, but this in and of itself is not going to solve gender inequality. It's not going to smash the patriarchy. Um, and in fact, it can perpetuate it by pretending to be a feminist solution to gender inequality. So like because she, she presents it as, as this like feminist solution and because it's been adopted by society and workplaces as a feminist solution, but it's just putting the burden on individual women to do it themselves individually, like not even collectively, which actually gets to my second point is that it's not a collective approach. Like sustained change to oppressive systems relies on collective action of by people who are most impacted by those systems. But lean in is a so-called feminist approach for individuals to elite women to climb the, the career ladder. And like if that's your personal goal, then that's one thing, but it's not, it's not a collective approach. I will say, and I agree with you when you said it can give you like strategies. Yeah, it can. But there's another book that I think is does a much better job of this called Feminist Fight Club by Jessica Bennett. Have you seen that? Mm -mm. So she calls it like the subheader is a survival manual for sexist workplace. And it also provides very tactical strategies for women to like fight back on the individual level. It like doesn't do it in the same way because she's not for one, she's not claiming it as a solution to gender inequality. It's simply a way to survive. And like the language she uses is like this shit is hard get together with your sisters in the workplace and fight your, and this is how you can fight your way through instead of like lean into the oppression and sexism of your workplace and get to the top, but don't actually change it. <laughs> so those are my first, what do you think? I have a few more, but I wanted to share those two. What do you, and I wanted to get your feedback. It actually took like us preparing for this podcast and really thinking about the ways I, I don't think I had, I'm not as far along on my feminist journey as you are. And I don't think I had really thought about the ways that feminism is put on the individual versus the system versus like the collective. And since we've done that, I've seen it in so many other places where people are being oppressed and hurt. And like the people are being told to like change their mindset and those people, I'm, I'm speaking really vaguely. I can give an example if you think it's useful, but like including groups I'm a part of spend a lot of energy, including me myself, spend a lot of energy like trying to get your head in the right mindset as if it's like your own problem, you know? I don't know. I think about like yeah. for me, it's like um, conversations around like diet culture and fat phobia, mm. like the amount of energy I spend being like, no, I'm still a worthwhile person, even though society thinks I'm ugly and fat. And then I, and I have to spend so much time being like, why can't I have a good attitude about this? Instead of being like, no, 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 no. You guys make clothes that fit for me, make seats that fit for me. Let, you know, like, yeah. So it can, I, I, I get it a hundred percent. And I, I could see, I can see absolutely how that could be like you wouldn't want for a woman to not get the race and be like, I didn't ask the right way. I didn't fight hard enough. I didn't appear confident enough. I was too commute. I should have said I instead of we or we instead of I. I didn't I smile. Smiled. <laughs> yeah. 
So I, I mean, I totally get it. I totally get it. And I've lived it. And I think talking about it with you has opened my eyes up to it. And honestly, it's making me a lot stabbier. Well, okay. To be fair, I, I do do this stuff for my job. Like, yeah. No, that's all so. right. You're um, the awesomeness. But, but I also want to say, like, the internalized oppression is a real thing. And, like, it's something that does need to be addressed. Like, raising consciousness of our own raising consciousness of, of our oppression and how we are oppressed and how it affects the way we act is an important thing that needs to happen to people mm-hmm. of an oppressed group. The problem is when that then becomes the, the oppressors then take that and be like, okay, it's on you change your mindset and you're going to, you, you got the, you know, and that's what this is doing. It's, well, um, and I guess it becomes, it becomes like almost doubly internalized mm-hmm. where not only is the workplace like, Oh, that's on you. I think a person themselves right. be like, oh, this is all my problem. Like right. I've had conversations with myself where I'm like, Lisa, this is just like, this is a social construction. It's not real. You and your brain know it's not real. Why can't you let it go? Well, the reason you can't let it go is because there is a million ways that you are being hit in the face with it daily. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, no, it totally resonates. Oh, um, the other the problem with it is that it takes the burden off men, individual men, men like as a group and institutions run by men, even though they're the ones that are benefiting from these yeah. patriarchal systems of oppression. Um, I love the op-ed by Ruth Whitman in the New York Times called Enough Leaning In, Let's Tell Men to Lean Out. So good. Yeah, so good. well, and it gets back to what you you were calling me on about, like, do men not get to? Like, of course, that's not true. Like, they, they get to, right. they just don't. There's oh. actually, I think, and I don't have this, the studies to back this up. I don't know about parental leave. I think men may be punished for parental leave. But, like, things like being president of the PTA, like, or after, no, there is, after kid, men have kids, they get a boost, a career boost. Their, like, income rises, whereas women, for women, it goes down. So, yeah, maybe they don't get, maybe they don't take as much paternity leave. They don't get that special time. But they get these, all these benefits in other ways, like, that are like real power accrual. Yeah. No, listen, honestly, the reason I said that is because I, I have my own people yeah. snowing me on this conversation regularly. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. Oh, people I really like. All right. Well, I don't know if this goes along with what you were saying, Lindsay. So on the one hand, it like takes the burden off of men. And on the other hand, without explicitly saying it, basically like puts women at the whim of their higher ups it's like it's because it's not addressing the fact that it's actually like the people doing the hiring who are being racist sexist discriminatory it's like here are these paths to getting promotions ladies but only if you happen to have like a nice kind boss who cares i don't know like it removes responsibility for men and it ignores the fact that bosses have the power. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And this kind of comes to my my final point here is that by taking this individualized approach where parity with men is the goal, it's basically just finding ways to fit women into oppressive patriarchal structures, but those structures still remain in place. And it relies on those patriarchal structures 
to exist for women to climb that career ladder. Right. Like it's not trying to actually change no. those structures. It's just no. like, here's how you can climb those structures. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a really conservative approach to feminism. It's actually not feminism. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, and I, don't, I know we're not supposed to say that, but I, I just take issue. I don't like using the term lean in at all. And we've talked about this before. Like I use terms like scale, scale up, scale back my work. Yeah. I, if you, if you want to go for your career, go for it. Like that is perfectly fine. And you want to work really hard and it works for you, but it's not feminist to be if you're just if you're not dismantling patriarchal structures at the same time i see feminism as being a, a collective dismantling yeah no that's a good point i guess i just i just i'm really hesitant whenever i'm like you can't be a feminist if i know you can't and you that's know. fair but i get your point i think the point is like you really have to ask yourself what it means to be a feminist i see what you're saying like i don't want listeners who are CEOs of companies to be think I'm saying that they're not feminist. I'm not saying that at all. Like right. I started, I'm, I'm, I'm starting trying to grow my own business too. Right. Like I want to do that. What I'm saying is that if you're not also doing something to try and dismantle these structures, I don't know in, in and of itself, it's not okay for me in and of itself. It's not, well, it's not achieving your purpose. If your yeah. purpose is the equality of women. And the other, I just want to add, like we touched on this, like the lean in approach only helps the most elite and privileged women. And right. we really need to view feminism more broadly than just achieving parity with men. And then the other thing I was like, like I mentioned, it relies on those systems of hierarchy to remain intact. Like for, I don't remember, and I didn't reread the whole thing, but like, like leaning in to start your own business, which is really what I wanted to do. And I've ended up doing, but like without things like childcare and health insurance and those safety nets, it's really hard and risky and unsustainable for mothers to, I mean, women do hustle all the time. So yeah, women are running businesses, small business all the time, but like to be able to like, like quit your job and like go out on your own as a parent is really hard without these other like these safety nets and like those are those external pieces so it's like she's like lean into these systems that that already exist and let's maintain them and try you get trapped in them yeah I, totally I, kind of along that those lines there is a really great piece by the author linda burnham called lean in in one percent feminism and she talks about a lot of these same points how conservative it is, that it's about the ceiling, not the floor. But the thing, I really appreciate her last point that I think takes what you're saying and kind of, I don't know, puts like a really nice point on it. She calls, she calls the lean-in approach dream crushing. And I feel like it really sums it up in this way that like, it just, it offers like a really narrow path, a really narrow view. It just tries to fix one person, not the whole thing. Like there's mm. no room to imagine better in yeah. any kind of broad way. Yeah. Like she says, dream crushing feminism is about stripping feminism of any rem remnants of a transformative vision. Sandberg says she wants women to dream big, but lean in essentially advocates going along to get ahead and trims the feminist vision to fit a corporate yeah. ethos. It's interesting because like, it's almost like lean in is, is trying to encourage you to women to, to not take risks, but like be brave, like 
go for it. Right. But you're right. What you're going for is actually really quite limited. Yeah. And it's been dreamed before. Someone's already done it. Right. Exactly. It's like, go for this thing that this other person has. Even if you don't want it. P.S. Right. I just thought of something. As a caveat, there is a chapter in the book that I actually do appreciate where she says, it's not a career ladder, it's a jungle gem. And I appreciate that part. And we've, I've kept using the language of like, this is good for women who want to climb the career ladder. Well, she herself talks about this like jungle gem where it's like, sometimes you're moving sideways, sometimes you're moving up. And I actually appreciate that because it does offer a less binary view than just like the concept of lean in or lean out. But I feel like that gets lost in the whole it's still called lean in and that still sets up a mind and it just gets lost in the whole thing. But, but I did, I do like that, that concept. One last thing. Yeah. Again, like I have learned and I still feel like lean in sets up this dichotomy where like the opposite is leaning out. And, and I do think this ignores all the other revolutionary ways that women can push for feminist change and live it in their lives. And like for women whose ancestors have not been able to be able to take care of their own children because they've been caring for other children, like black women, we talked about this in episode one, the, you know, for many, leaving the workforce can be revolutionary, like the paid workforce and being able to spend that time how you want (laughs) to be able to choose how you spend your time. I just wanted to add that as well. Yeah, thank you. So what about like, what about COVID? Like has, has COVID changed the way you think about leaning in? Well, mostly just that there's like all, there's all the conversation we've had about how leaning in falls short and there are these other ways to help women thrive in their careers that aren't, doesn't put the responsibility on women. But then there's like the flip side of like how quickly the lack of childcare during coronavirus became a women's issue and has yeah. like the number of my female friends who have quote unquote leaned out since this happened it's just amazing friends who i were planning to return to the work to work who are not because now they're going to homeschool their children women who are taking pay cuts and working fewer hours in order to make this work yeah it's really really yeah i think (laughs) how, how a pandemic shows us how all of the quote unquote leaning in someone could do how quickly it falls apart in a pandemic when you don't have those, those um, safety nets and you can't outsource anymore. Or I guess, I guess the elite women, many of them, you know, still are paying nannies and still are paying for tutors and whatnot. But for people who, who don't have those financial means and relied on the, the public system and it's fallen apart. And then like all that work you did to try and lean in is, is poof gone yeah okay so as feminist moms who have careers outside of our children and want to pursue them what do we want instead of being told to lean in i love what you said about um the collective i think that being in community is key to this so So being in collective being in in community yeah and like i was thinking like if you're gonna lean in on something lean in on looking for other breastfeeding moms coming into your workplace following in your breastfeeding footsteps and like when they don't have a place to pump you can speak up on their behalf because you it's no longer Mm -hmm. you complaining for yourself yeah yeah i mean i'm definitely planning on during this time when i'm 
supposedly when I'm like responsible from nine to five with my kids, <laughs> I um, I'm going to be doing like definitely doing some advocacy as well. It's always important for me to be part of some sort of collective. What about you? What do you want? I have others, um, but. So universal health care and universal child care and actually universal basic income. I think that that opens up more opportunities for us to follow a career path in different ways to take on, to stop your paid job when you need to attend to your family or attend to yourself to be a freelancer when you need to, when you want to determine your own schedule and need flexibility. Right. So yeah, those are definitely, yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, totally. The other thing I had on my list is I really want men to, uh, step up, get a little bit serious about this, grapple yeah. with some of the same things. I feel like I don't need to bring it up because honestly, our very first episode was very much about this, but yeah, there's some- still true. Go back yeah. and listen to our first episode if you haven't already. We talk a lot about this. <laughs> yep. Men asking for flexible work schedules and things like that. Or even just acknowledging that they have children would be a great first step. Yeah. Being like, oh, did you hear my kid in the background? Yeah, that's because he lives here. (laughs) (laughs) And we're working in the same four walls. (laughs) Another one for me is pay transparency. Like all this talk about negotiation can be resolved if we just had transparent systems of pay and you knew what other people were getting paid. Pay transparency is huge for addressing wealth gaps across gender and race. And other categories. So yeah, pay transparency. Um, another one for me was just, I, I loved that article, the, the article by Linda Burnham. And I think, yeah, dreaming big and, and not letting some of these narrow views of how to work stifle dreaming about what maybe you really want and not just what you as an individual really want, but what we really want for our world and our society. And my last one is about making sure that you're not pushing other women down so that you can rise to the top. Because the reality is, is that like we rely on childcare. Women who, who, uh, who in the workforce took like climb that jungle gym or career ladder, whatever you want to call it. We rely on childcare workers early childhood educators we rely and then and I think in the book you talking you know outsourcing like cleaning and outsourcing all these things but these jobs are severely underpaid and undervalued and they're done by, predominantly by women I just can't imagine putting the feminist label on anything that relies on some women to work so hard and get so little money and yeah. so I think we have to be to be aware of that and fight to change that. And that goes back to not just universal childcare, child, universal childcare where workers are paid a professional thriving wage, not just a living wage, but a thriving wage. I mean, I think what something you're like getting at too, though, tell me if this is wrong, Lindsay, is also like really reflecting on how like lean in is really forcing women to reflect on how they individually can promote themselves and get ahead it's like reflecting individually on how you are part of the problem is really where it's at 
right? And I think mm-hmm. there is this thing that I butt up against sometimes for sure in my own mind with people I'm interacting with where it's like, you're just one person. Is this making a difference? Looking in the mirror before you look in the, hold up. Like we have a thing at work, like hold up the mirror before you hold up the magnifying glass. Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely. I like that. And I think that's what you're getting at when you say like, think about women, like don't put women down. It's not just that we, we need to advocate for these women to get higher pay. It's also just like, where, who are the women in your life who you pay? Do you pay them fairly? Yeah. Like it starts with you and then you can like that part, the part where you are not, you know, hurting someone. Yeah. Is, is really important. So, yeah. Not that I do that perfectly, obviously. Like, (laughs) I just mean that. It's it's something I, it just, I mention it because it's something I grapple with sometimes. Like, I've had people in my family be like, why do you really think your one action makes a difference? You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really important. Thank you. I think that's a good reflection question. For our listeners, I mentioned I wanted to start including reflection questions. Yeah. So what would that? So can you say that one more time? Of like in one reflection question. So to reflect on, like, what is your personal role? What is what is your own personal role in creating a more just and equitable place for people to work? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah. that's ultimately what Lean In is supposedly about, right? Is like equality in the workplace. Yeah. And so, like, where do you where do you promote equality? Where do you maybe? It's supposed to be about that, but yeah, right, right. You know, I think it's worth reflecting on, but it's not easy. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, how will you take care of my friend Lindsay this week? I am going to try and practice pause before posting, in terms of like articles, like on Facebook or on things on Twitter. I find that when I'm really stressed out or really angry about something, I sometimes like, I can use, especially Twitter, I can like use it as like to like vent, like put something out there in the world. And I'm not like targeting individuals, but still sometimes it's just things end up, I did post something. It was like this, it was a a mask that had an opening in the mouth. And it was like the ad was like, Bill just like the sexy woman with like beautiful lipstick. And I was like, God, this is so sexist. But I didn't realize that someone pointed out to me like, yeah, but yeah, yeah, exactly. For deaf people. And so because I I was just like coming at it from the space of like anger, I like had this like intense reaction and I just, instead of um, like thinking about it. So pause before posting. And I think actually, I think I actually got that from Brittany from uh, Check Your Privilege. That's awesome. So, Lisa, how are you going to take care of my friend Lisa this week? Yeah. So all of this conversation has just really made me committed to drawing boundaries at work and working less and being more present for my children. And yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But Sounds um, great. Oh, I hope I can do it. <laughs> yeah. You, you can do the best you can. Right. Thanks so much for listening. We'd love to hear what you think about this topic. Our website is mommingwellfeminist.com and you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at mommingwellfeminist. Let's have each other's backs this week and take care of yourself. Da, da, da.